a few years ago uh, from our former church uh, in Breadcom QC, we met this uh, team of missionaries. Uh, there was in this team of young missionaries, a young lady freshly graduating from, from college, wanted to, to make an impact uh, in God's kingdom. So they went here in the Philippines to do a short-term missions uh, to college students, right? So uh, this group uh, committed around two to five years of their life. They're the prime of their lives, so to speak, to living here and committed they did. This, this group, uh, this lady uh, together with her team, they... Um, they got an apartment very near the, the campus that they want to reach. They tried to learn the language. They spent one day uh, in their week to learn Tagalog. They spent a lot of time with the students. Most of their time is really spent uh, with the students. Uh, she adjusted her, uh, her diet to Filip uh, Filipino food. So madalas ang kain niya ng isaw. There's a lot of rice involved. Uh, there's a lot of sabaw, <laughs> which I realize is not very common in, in, in the U.S. So it was a difficult adjustment, I'm sure. But they and this lady persevered through it. Of course, just like anyone, just like everyone who, who moves away from, from out of their comfort zone and moves to a new place, there will always be um, a sense of tension and you will always feel a little homesick, right? Not just a little, a lot, and it does not go away. Yung sense of uh, feeling homesick, for for example, if you're coming from, you know, a, a hometown outside Metro Manila, you there's always a desire to to come home. So she she felt that this this lady missionary felt that. So finally, after a couple of years, she had the opportunity to to come home, uh, to go back to. The U.S. for a, a short summer break from that ministry uh, trip, from the mission's commitment. So it was something that she was looking forward to. Uh, and so she came back to the U.S., back to her home, uh, her own soft kama, <laughs> uh, food that is fit for American diet, <laughs> uh, very nice weather away from Metro Manila traffic and Metro Manila pollution. But something happened when she came home. Something happened. Everything felt uncomfortable. The bed feels foreign. The food does not sit well. The weather is a little colder than what she expected. Somehow, she felt a stranger in her own home. So a few weeks after... Uh, summer break, she came back uh, from the U.S., uh, ministry, um, went back to her apartment, went back to a country, a place uh, uh, that considers her a foreigner. So she came back to the U.S. to feel at home. She felt uncomfortable. She went back here in the Philippines and be considered a stranger, be considered a foreigner. And it dawned on her after all this experience that this is the life of a Christian. And that is pretty much the, the, you know, the whole theme 
of our new sermon series this whole month. So throughout the whole month of August, we are going to look at uh, the letter of Peter uh, to, to Christians that are scattered uh, all over the world at that time. And our series title is called Resident Aliens. Resident Aliens. We are going to tackle uh, what does it look like uh, to live in a world that is not your home? What does it look like to be in a world that is not your home? So itong first letter uh, ni Peter, obviously he is uh, the apostle of Jesus. It gives us some practical exhortations uh, and rich biblical truths that speak into the life of a Christian in the midst of um, persecution and suffering. So what Peter is basically doing uh, in this letter is getting them ready for rough days ahead. And that's what I hope to, to give you today to prepare you for rough days ahead. And especially for this particular uh, Christians, this group of uh, new Christians, they are you know, they live in a world where their ruler is, is not only a pagan ruler, Emperor Nero. He's not just only a pagan ruler, he's also a brutally evil one. That's the world that they live in at that time. So with that, allow me to share with you a few things about uh, living in holy tension, which is the title of, uh, of this, uh, this um, sermon. Holy tension, based on the two verses of the letter of Peter, the first letter of Peter, which is actually, when, when Pean read it, you will see, obviously, it's technically just a, a greeting, an introduction of a letter. Ito lang yung sinusulat mo as ay, ang tawag nga dito technically, salutation. So, you know, just... I'm sure you wrote a lot of uh, formal letters to maybe to a school, to, uh, to a business organization that you're sending proposal. Di ba meron kang, meron kang salutation part? Ano yung salutation part? Yung to, uh, to this person, from this person. So let me give you an example. So for example, if you're, uh, if you're applying to, to Hogwarts, <laughs> So to Albus Dumbledore, Headmaster Hogwarts, from, uh, from J.K. Rowling, London, England, good morning. That's it. That's, that's the greeting. That's the salutation. That's it. So how can there be a sermon within a greeting of a letter? Am I just expanding it? Am I uh, speaking too much into it? You know what you will realize in this greeting, it's not very often that we get such a theologically rich greeting in a letter, especially in a greeting of a letter. And this is coming from a supposedly uneducated fisherman, right? In fact, you will notice as we go along this series that this letter is filled with allusions and quotations and illustrations from the Old Testament. So much that you will realize this is not the same fisherman that Christ met in Galilee. This is not the same man who denied Jesus three times. This is a transformed man. And so because of that, he knows what he is talking about. And he has something to say, so we should listen. 
And this is a very timely message for all of us being resident aliens. And, and we will learn what that looks like and what that means as we go along. But in this introduction, let me share three things. Just talking about holy tension. Number one, who are the people who experience this tension? And anong description sa kanila? How are they described? Number two, what's the power behind the tension that we experience? What will sustain us through that uh, tension that we, we live in? And three, what's the product of experiencing that tension? Right? So the people, the power, and the product. Right? So just to, uh, to give you an idea, overview of our outline, that's it. Tatlong uh, P, people, power, and product. Let's go to uh, the first one, the people who experience the tension. So what you will see, Peter did not waste time or ink uh, in reminding them of who they are and their present reality. Ano yun? They are, ano yung description? They are elect or chosen. They are, and, and I will get to that uh, later on, they are scattered uh, or diaspora, yun yung ginamit ni Peter. And they are exiles or sojourners. So to be scattered around the world means they are exposed to the culture uh, that is opposed to the Christian faith. They experience opposition from people who are really embedded in Roman culture. They are also experiencing opposition to those who are in the Jewish tradition. So parang hindi nila makita yung kanilang lugar. That's why we're, we're considering this a holy tension. Not only that, as I mentioned earlier, it means they live in a world ruled by an emperor that is out to get them. There's an active, proactive uh, desire to, to destroy them. And to be sojourners uh, means to reside temporarily. To reside temporarily in, in locations. And to be exiles means that there is no place or situation that will provide them the ultimate comfort that they are looking for. And so, friends, this is not a mere sad circumstance. Parang hindi ito describe ni, ni Peter sa kanila to say, kawawa naman kayo. Or, uh, ang, ang, ang hindi maganda yung sitwasyon nyo. In fact, quite the opposite. What, what he is trying to say that this is sovereign design of God. Because the purpose of that tension, the purpose of being exiles, being scattered, being sojourners, is to help them see that this world is not our home. This world is not our home. That there is more to this life. The more we see its purpose, the more we see why the kind of people that experience this tension is meant to, to help us see that there's more to this life, the more we embrace it. Friends, the call of a Christian is to live in a state of discomfort. Keep that in mind. The call of a Christian is to live in a constant state 
of discomfort. And we do not have to look very far to see this clearly. Look at the life of Jesus in the Gospels. Peter saw that. And, and Peter was just echoing what he saw from Jesus and what, he, what Jesus explicitly told them. Look, at, uh, you know, look to your Bibles in John chapter 15. John chapter 15, this is Jesus uh, giving uh, a few uh, reminders and, and, uh, and uh, teachings to, to his disciples. John 15, 18, and 19. This is what Jesus said. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. What Jesus is saying is a guarantee that the world will hate you. You know what this pandemic and this incoming uh, ECQ version 3.0 is, is really doing is to bring to surface what the Bible has been teaching us since Genesis chapter 3, that we live in a fallen, broken world. And we are both the victim and the perpetrator. We're not just the victim, we're also the perpetrator. So for us, for people who are redeemed, from this broken world, and yet we are still waiting for that full and final restoration, we live in this temporary moment that is filled with tension. You know, for those who, uh, who go through seminary and, and, and hear these technical terms, you are familiar with the term, the already and not yet. That's where we live. And that's, there's a beauty in uh, and, and embracing that tension of the already and the not yet. So again, the call of a Christian is to live in a state of constant discomfort. It will be uneasy. It will be uncomfortable. And that is designed to help you long for a better home. That is designed to help you desire to, to see things at, you know, in a better light that will help you, uh, that is designed to help you that what you are experiencing here are really temporary. Whether that's good or bad, those are temporary things. And so this is a call of being comfortable with being out of place. I don't know if you've experienced being out of place, maybe in a group of Barkada or in your school or in your church. You know, I, I think in... in uh, in my life, I can pinpoint, you know, situations in my life that I really felt out of place. And that's the life of a Christian. You will always feel out of place. Being comfortable with being out of place, being an exile, being a sojourner means, number one, you are not desperate to look like the world or be like the world. You know, just to echo what Jesus was saying in John 15, do not expect that this world will welcome you with open arms. In fact, in fact, you should be concerned if the world welcomes you with open arms and there's no tension. You should be concerned. <laughs> but number two, yung, op yung uh, opposite naman nun, being comfortable sa pagiging out of place, yung discomfort na yun, 
uh, means you do not detach yourself from this world and not care for it. You know, we learned that when we went through a short series on the exiles in Babylon. Remember, in, in Ezra, Nehemiah, and a little bit of Jeremiah, uh, the, uh, in the Old Testament, uh, the exiles in Babylon, ang command ni God sa kanila in Jeremiah 29 is to seek the welfare of the city. And that city is Babylon, where they are held captive. To seek the welfare of the city. You know, it is equally problematic to think that just because you are heaven-bound, that there is no need for you to be concerned with what's going on in this world. We need to be reminded, friends, we need to be reminded that you and I may be different from our unbelieving friends, but we are not better than them. We are not better than them. Whatever, whatever we think is our advantage is purely by the grace of God. So the purpose of that tension is for us to experience and, and to help us see that we live in a temporal world and to appreciate that this, that this world is not our home and there's a far better world that is to come. But, but, knowing that does not lessen the difficulty of living in it. Hindi porkit naiintindihan natin and we embrace the, trend, the tension, ibig sabihin magiging immune na tayo dun sa difficulty. No, the Bible does not guarantee that. It does not make us immune to suffering. So it's just right you know, it's just normal, and, and, and I'm giving you the freedom to feel this way. It's just right that we desire some refuge. Isipin mo, if you're a Christian and you're experiencing your whole Christian life, discomfort after discomfort after discomfort, you would say, grabe naman tong pinasok ko. <laughs> Hindi pala masaya. <laughs> Quit na lang ako. It's just natural for you to uh, to desire, Lord, meron bang refuge? Meron bang comfort doon sa na nararamdaman ko? And we have that. We have that. A Christian's temporary refuge, a temporary shelter in this fallen world is the house of God. Let me repeat that. A Christian's temporary refuge in this fallen world is the house of God. The church ought to be a place where you get a glimpse of your true home. The church is the place where you can be who you truly are. That you don't have to pretend. That you understand that you are a sinner saved by grace. You know, it's, it's sad uh, to see that people are so comfortable with the world and feel so uncomfortable inside the church. If this is our refuge, then we long to be in the house of God. And I will talk more about this when we get to chapter 2 in this series. But let me just quickly say, uh, we should not forsake the gathering of, of God's people because this is where we get some refuge from being out of place in this fallen world. All right? So again, thinking about uh, the, 
the exiles and, and the people who are scattered in the Roman world at that time. You know, these uh, first century believers did not become Christians because they, it is a cool religion. They did not say, oh, it's cool to be a Christian. Sign me up. These believers in Pontus, in Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, which are actually you know, places, which is modern-day Turkey right now, did not become Christians because of membership benefits. They were not longing for discounts or, or networks. By following the Lord Jesus, by responding to the gospel, these believers place their lives in danger, literally. And they understood that tension. And you know what? They received it gladly. They say, it is well with my soul. And it would seem, that would seem crazy. Why would someone uh, voluntarily put himself in a discomfort for the rest of his life? That would seem crazy if we look at it from the perspective of a 21st century modern evangelical comfortable eyes. Unless you realize and embrace that there is a power behind it. There's a power behind the tension that we, you experience. You know, one of the beautiful things that Pete, uh, in Peter's introduction is his Trinitarian theology. Trinitarian theology. Pastor, ano na naman yung big word mo? You know, yung uh, Trinitarian theology, it, it simply means that even in this greeting, Peter is already affirming the doctrine of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. But he is not just affirming the doctrine of the Trinity, he is also confirming the power, and this is point number two, he is confirming the power that will sustain you through the tension-filled life of a Christian. What sustains them, itong, uh, these believers in, in modern-day Turkey, is understanding that Trinitarian theology. But it's not just a theology that uh, captures the mind. It's something that is very relevant. You know, what you will see here is the Father, Son, and Spirit is the one actively at work for our salvation and our sanctification. Look at that uh, second part of uh, the greeting. So yes, you are exiled. Yes, you are scattered, but you are also chosen or elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit for the obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with His blood. Trinitarian theology in a greeting. That's very rare. And why would Peter say that? You know, one of the things people might ask about the doctrine of the Trinity, Pastor, does it really matter? Alam ko naman si God eh. 
Does it really matter that I should know about the Trinity? Does, do I really need to understand that? And, and honestly, you know, is the, 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 the Trinity is something that when you talk more about it, it gets more confusing. <laughs> honestly, if you try to put a diagram in the, uh, of uh, explaining the Trinity, it gets, you know, it gets uh, more difficult and more difficult to explain. It's, it's really, there's a, a big chunk of the doctrine of the Trinity that we cannot fully comprehend. But there are some that we can understand. You know, for, for instance, if we desire to know God, then we ought to know and understand and appreciate His nature. Here we see a very real, very significant work of the triune God in our life. Hindi lang ito uh, uh, descriptions of who God is. This is uh, a, a confirmation of what this triune God is doing in your life. And what is He doing? Well, we see God the Father who graciously chose you to be in a covenant relationship before you even had the chance to do any good work. You know, it's amazing for, of course, for, for, for us who consider ourselves uh, part of a Reformed church. You know, the Lord loved you before you, you even knew Reformed theology. The Lord chose you even before you became a Calvinist. The Lord lovingly chose you even before you were born. That's God the Father. And we see God the Son accomplishing the redemptive work by shedding His blood on the cross for us. And we see God the Spirit actively shaping our lives so that we will grow into the likeness of Christ. And what you will see here is even your obedience to Jesus Yung pagsunod mo kay Jesus is the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. How amazing is that? I like what Kevin DeYoung um, summarizes this, the, the Trinitarian work in our life. That the Father appoints, the Son accomplishes, and the Spirit applies. The Father appoints, the Son accomplishes, and the Spirit applies. And this is comforting to know this power because it's telling us that the ability to sustain you and me through uh, the tension-filled uh, Christian life is not entirely up to us. It's not entirely up to us. It's not in our hands. Yes, we may have this notion na, oh, yung salvation is from the Lord. Salvation is of the Lord. It is purely by God's grace. It is work. But after my salvation, it's up to me to live up to that standards. Salvation is of the Lord. Sanctification is of me. You know what this greeting is telling us? Yes, sanctification involves the in intentional uh, surrender and work of a believer. But it's not entirely left to us. Because if it is left to us, we will make a mess of our life. You know, one of the scary things uh, for uh, a, a someone who's learning guitar, if, you, if you're trying to learn uh, playing the guitar and taking care of it, one of the scary things to happen or to do is to restring or tune your guitar. 
if you play the guitar, you know what I'm talking about. It's scary because you don't know if the strings will hold. You know, I've had many broken strings over the years because I did not know how to, to properly restring the, the yung strings ng guitar and properly care for it. Um, minsan I twist so much or it's, it's terrifying when you're almost there tas ang higpit-higpit na nung string tas tumutunog na lang siya tik, 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 tik hindi mo alam kung pag naputol tatama sa mata mo or whatever it's terrifying that's why if, I, if I'm tuning the guitar talaga I look away mag-ganun ako because it's, it's really scary and um, you know you know the way guitar strings work right it's it's you give the strings enough tension so that it will uh, give the right note you turn the tuning peg too much it might break uh, you turn it very little it will be out of tune but last night uh, i broke the last string of my guitar you know in in our worship from home you see a, a guitar in my background uh, that the last string was broken last night, partly because I haven't been using the guitar for, for a while, uh, and partly because I was careless and impatient. I was just, you know, casually turning, it's like, parang wala sa tono, sige nga, turn lang ako ng turn hanggang sa na, naputol na siya. And, and, and that's, that's on me. I, I did not care for, for the, that guitar. Um, I was careless. I was impatient because I, I can find a tuner. Pwede naman ako maghanap ng tuner para hindi ko na lang siya yung parang pakinggan on my ear. Uh, but I did not do that. Imagine if I'm doing that for my life. Imagine if you are in charge to take care of your life. You will break a lot of strings. If I am left to pull the strings of my life, I will make a mess of things. There will be lots and lots of injury. But praise be to God, the one pulling the strings is a loving, powerful, triune God. The one who appoints, accomplishes, and affirms, and, assign, uh, and uh, applies. He knows and cares for every string. He creates the exact tension in your life, the exact tension that you need. And you need that so that it will bring out the perfect key. And that's what the power behind that tension is doing in your life. He is adding the exact tension in your life so when you are struck, you will sound beautiful. And the music you bring out in the hands of a loving triune God is the product of that tension, which is our third and final point, the product of this tension. So here, yung last line of this greeting, Peter gives this prayer or benediction. Ano yun? May grace and peace be multiplied to you. Yung grace and peace, that phrase, the two words, is actually a common thing uh, to write in a letter during those times. That's your basically your, your good morning. That's basically um, 
you know, when you write an email right now, so good morning, sir, good morning, ma'am. I hope you are doing well. Diba? Yun, yung, yun, yun yung gagawin mo. Meron kang uh, first line. So yung grace and peace is really a common thing. In fact, if you look at the letters of Apostle Paul, it's always there. It's almost always that. Grace and peace, grace and peace, grace and peace. So it's, it's a common thing, but what you will see here is a different variation. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. Not just receive, not just experience, but multiplied. What Peter is giving here is because there are rough days ahead of you and of us, what you need is an overflow supply of grace and peace. And boy, what we need is overflow of grace and peace right now. Right? This is especially what we need. We need an ample supply of grace and peace. You know, a Christian's life and walk is meant to be marked by grace and peace. It is the music that we bring in this broken world. When this fallen world hears us, it's a music of grace and peace. That is not just received and experienced, but also multiplied. But grace and peace is a product of embracing that tension that the triune God is lovingly and, uh, and, and sovereignly bringing into your life. Because if being gracious and being peaceful is, um, is coming from your inherent morality, or your goodness, you will eventually run out. If you want to be gracious and peaceful and your, and your source is just your, your inherent goodness, your inherent goodness, it will eventually run out. Just try to be gracious and peaceful on Facebook. You know you will eventually run out. After a while, you will unfollow. <laughs> After a while, you will stop commenting. After a while, you will deactivate. And so, if, it's, if grace and peace is just coming from our, our desire and motivation to, to be good, uh, it, will, it will run out. So this must come only from an unlimited, inexhaustible source. Otherwise, it will be hard work. Otherwise, it will leave you dry. But the good news is Christ has already done the hard work on our behalf for us to experience this grace and peace. So let me end with two verses, and I want you to look at your Bibles for this. Romans 5, verse 1. This is uh, uh, Paul's reminder, Apostle Paul's reminder. Therefore, Romans 5, 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. John chapter 1, verse 16. You know, many quote John 
1.1 in John uh, 1.12 in John uh, 1.14. But I love this uh, verse, John 1.16. From his fullness, I'm talking about Jesus here, the Logos. From his fullness, we all receive grace upon grace. Friends, Christ is the fountain of inexhaustible grace and peace. So if you want this product of grace and peace to multiply over your life, don't go to the well of your inherent goodness because that will dry out. Come to the fountain of Jesus Christ. Through him, we can experience a full measure of grace and peace over our lives. Let's pray. Father, as we look at uh, the letter of Peter to believers who are scattered and exiles, we, we see our situation in our life today, uh, experiencing the brokenness and the fallenness of our world and experiencing the, the tension that we are in. Lord, as you prepare our, our lives uh, through this difficult time, May this greeting, may this salutation, this introduction be a reminder of who we are and who our God is. That the power behind the tension that we are in is a loving triune God, the Father, Son, and Spirit at work in our lives actively 24-7 to make us fit for your goodness. I pray, Lord, that we will abound in grace and peace that's coming from our Savior, Jesus Christ. And may this grace and peace be multiplying, not just in our community, but in our nation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.